Listening to CITR Radio FM 102, cable 88.5, and Denard War, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the Ergs with See Him Again. Last week in the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, I had an interview with Mikey Erg, and we did not get to that track. That was See Him Again by The Ergs. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Das Racist and Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan. He'll be phoning in shortly on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Sloan are originally from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and were good friends with the band Jail, J-A-L-E, who later signed to Sub Pop. In an interesting development, there's a brand new band out right now, well actually maybe they've been around for a few years, called Jail, J-A-I-L-L, and they're actually from Milwaukee, and they too are on Sub Pop Records. So, in honor of Jail from Nova Scotia, in honor of Chris Murphy of Sloan, who's playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the Commodore Ballroom, and in honor of J-A-I-L-L, here's J-A-I-L-L. 
LL Jail with Baker Sincere on the Nerdwater Human Serviette Radio Show and in an interview with Das Racist and then Chris Murphy from the band Schloan all on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Himanshu. From? Queens. From? Das Racist. Himanshu Heems? Who else is in Das Racist? Ashok and Victor, Dap and Kool AD. I'm Dap. He is Kool AD. AKA Lil Crutch, AKA Big Moms, AKA Crazy Loco. Right off the bat, I have a quote for you guys. Okay. By Das Racist. My man Snow had a fake. <laughs> I love that you give a shout out to Snow. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, what can you tell the people about Canadian rap legend Snow? Um, I don't know. What's he doing these days? Yeah, I don't know. He works at Burger Patrol, we heard. Yeah. So he had some big hits, though. You actually found out that he worked somewhere specifically? Uh, yeah, he's working at Burger Patrol. I think I saw him, and I'd heard that he worked there, so it came together to make, make it seem so. Yeah. He actually approved our visas for us to come here today, Snow. Yeah. 
I think it's great. Repping Canadian rap. He wanted us to carry on his legacy. This is why he, we weren't supposed to get like the, any of the work permits, but he just kind of winked at us. We did a backroom deal with him. Yeah. yeah. He still had on the sunglasses he used to wear. And then he bequeathed them. He bequeathed them to Hima right before he left, which was huge. These are snow sunglasses I'm wearing right now. Cool. I was wondering, were you in a band once called Narwhal? Yeah, it was. What? How did you figure that out? Well, I was thinking Nardwar to Human Serviette, Narwhal. Tell me about being in a band called Narwhal. It was uh, it was me and uh, a Tall Rosen who was in Boy Crisis, another band I was in, and uh, another band I was in called Novices. Um, it was I played. We switched off on drums and guitar. Nardwar to Human Serviette, Narwhal. Thank you. We only had one show, and I don't think any recordings, so I really don't know how you figured <laughs> how you found that one, but that's cool. You guys are das? Racist. And I find out a lot of interesting things about myself. Like, for instance, Nardwar, Nar... Wah. Narwhal. But also you, Heems, you taught me. And what can you tell the people about the importance? This is for Vancouver. The Komagata Maru. Yeah, this is, this is a ship that came here from Hong Kong with a bunch of Indian people on it. And then they wouldn't let him in the country. So they had to keep him at bay for a while. And then they sent him back. And I think it's amazing that you know the story of the Komogata Maru, Heems. For sure. How smart is Heems? Heems is pretty smart. He's pretty crafty, I would say. I'd say crafty, clever, and also smart. <laughs> <laughs> because as a writer for the Georgia Strait weekly newspaper here in Vancouver, Mike Usinger point out, not many bands name drop the Komogata Maru in an interview like you did with him. That's really cool, recognizing the local history. Yeah, for sure. Like, how many rappers know the Swollen Members and the Komogata? Three. Maru, not many. Three. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Chingy is familiar yeah. with the Komogata Maru and Swollen Members. He actually stopped rapping to be a uh, Komogata name, I believe, is Hugh Johnson. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> so you can say Chingy wrote the book on the Komogata Maru, if you will. That's racist in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Kicking down the knowledge and also mentioning other rappers. Did you ever hear in trouble for mentioning other rappers' names? Oh, uh, well, in L.A., we said we were Yellow Wolf a few times uh, on stage, and I think his manager misheard it as Yellow Wolf, and then Yellow Wolf tried to fight Hema. I think we got to keep that off record. I don't I think it's fine. Like, you're not afraid of the beef, are you, Hemes? Uh, I don't know, man. I'd like to clarify what happened, because we didn't say that. But also, uh, KRS-One, when actually Fake Patois came out, KRS-One had the Fake Patois. Uh, he apparently, we, uh, our manager at the time was his publicist, and he, I don't think, was... He didn't he take was too kindly yeah. to the Fake Patois joint. He kept insisting that we were dissing him, and she was like, no, no, it's like an homage or like a tribute. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. And apparently he was going to come in, like, PM Don us out. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to PM Don us out. In the tradition of beef and naming other rap crews, I have a gift for you for a group, a guy that you want to have beef with. Jen, this is a gift for you. Oh, I don't got no yeah, Jen. Jen is when he's on the rough ride. Yeah. I actually read an Ion magazine. If you guys could pick a beef, you'd pick a beef with... I don't remember. Jen, you mentioned Jen, and this is for you, Heems, a gift. <laughs> you gonna learn Chinese. I remember this, Jen. Yeah, what can you tell the people about Jin? 
Uh, I think that uh, it's like look at your Timberlands. Your Timberlands are made in China, right? Yeah. That was the one. That was kind of weird. That's kind of like would you? That's not like an insult to me personally, so much as like a an observation about the larger Chinese world. You know, labor, yeah, globalization. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, like when uh, he referred to his genitalia as dumplings and an egg roll in uh, some sort of, I think it was either a rap song or some sort of smack DVD type situation. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Jin's more playful material more too. I once read a magazine article about Jin where he's in, I think, the Rough Rider offices right after he had gotten signed and he was being really annoying and he played Wu-Tang's Triumph and then at first they were laughing because he was singing along with it, like Inspector Dex part but then apparently he does the entire Triumph and in the article it mentions how everyone around him was getting kind of annoyed by how this kid was like doing all of Triumph in the offices of Rough Rider which I thought was so funny because I would do that too. Cool! Does it all go back to Fiona Apple for you, I heard you're inspired by Fiona Apple. Yeah, I always have to say that that's uh, that was the first you know hip hop I really ever got into was Fiona Apple. First concert, uh, first uh, record video where she was laying around Swag. and with the night vision. Out, yeah. Swag. Now you Heems, it goes a bit more though. It goes right to the firm, doesn't it, Heems? Ah, yeah, I like the firm, man. This is what kickstarted the Das Racist, isn't it, Heems? Yeah, the first beat I ever really liked was uh, Affirmative Action um, with Nas and the Firm off. Of, it was written. It was the first cassette tape I bought, which was followed immediately by like a lot of R&B. I think the uh, the first tape I bought was Nas. The next three were like Mariah Carey, Blackstreet, and 112. But yeah, The Firm. <laughs> the Firm and Fiona Apple equals... Hip-hop. Real hip-hop. That's racist. The love of my life. I'm talking firm biz to you, baby. Firm, firm. Talking about the firm. That is, that is, that is. <laughs> I'm talking firm biz to you, baby. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the firm. That is, that is, that is. That's racist in the house. Uh, <laughs> yo, man, how'd you how'd you get my fourth grade teacher to come follow me again? <laughs> That's racist. I have another quote for you. Quote: Listening to and feeling weird. Listening to blank and feeling weird. KMD. Listening to KMD, and I have another gift for you. Uh, That's racist. KMD. Peach fuzz. What can you tell the people the importance of KMD to Das Racist? Uh, these guys, um... Look at the <laughs> cover of the album. <laughs> no, I think it's... I don't know. Me and Victor both liked Doom a lot in college, and that was... Um, still. And uh, also, yeah. Nice, nice times. I heard the Doomsday album in the year 2000, and uh, I didn't. I remember the first time I heard it. At that time, I couldn't really process it in my like 15, 16 year old head. And I was like, "This is okay, but weird." And then I heard it again like a year later, and was like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing that I've ever heard." And I, I didn't remember that I had heard it before, but I did. And you, and that was you that. And Mike, who produced yeah, Mike for Neat. us, you and Mike introduced me to Doom in high school when I was 16. I would like to ask you, Das Racist, of the importance of 14th and 6th Avenue. <laughs> what about 14th and 6th, the F train? <laughs> what is that? There's an F train stop there. I thought that's ground zero for Taco 
Oh, uh, that is that close to the Fifth Avenue? There? Isn't that like the ground zero for the Taco Bell? Like your song combination. I was, ours was more about the one in Jamaica and Queens, but I guess there is one on Fourteenth and Sixth. But that's also where the F train is. I thought that was exactly where it all happened at Fourteenth and Sixth. Like there's one there. There is a pizza a Taco Bell there near Union Square, but that's not. I don't. I think I went in there once, maybe with Martin O'Boyle for lunch when we worked near each other. But that one doesn't really bear any. I guess the one in Queens doesn't really bear any importance to me either. But I think in an interview one time I said like the one that I have eaten at the most is probably that one or something. Uh, that was like a long time ago when we even bothered to entertain questions about that song. <laughs> well, I was gonna say right next door to it is a Dunkin' Donuts, isn't there? Yeah. And what's really wild is I first heard of Das Racist on the show... At a Dunkin' Donuts? No, on the show Dunkin's Donuts. He's a DJ in Vancouver. Uh, Yeah, he does a show in Vancouver called Dunkin's Donuts. This guy, Duncan, Duncan McHugh, and he played you guys, and that's who I first heard of you guys. Wow. And the weird thing is he saw you at South by Southwest. He was yelling out for you to play that song, and you guys played the Taco Bell combination Pizza Hut song, but you didn't mention Pizza Hut. What did you mention? Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. And Baskin' Robbins. But Dunkin' Donuts was just the name of the show. Yeah, Dunkin's Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin' Robbins, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, 14th and 6th, full circle, baby. Cool. Did you also mention that you went shared a room with Bill Belichuk? Yeah. No, I lived in the room that Bill Belichick used to live in, probably, because he was the president of the Kai Sai fraternity. And our first year of college, they kicked out the Kai Sai kids and made it a school for minorities uh, who wanted to fight social justice, which is where he was my RA. But I was in the president's room, which is where Bill Belichick stayed, I think, in like the 70s or whatever. But I don't really care about um, the Pats. Hemes, another person I'd like to know about here. Could you please explain to me about Junot? What can you tell me about? Junot Diaz. Yes, please. You've mentioned him a few times. I'm a big fan of his writing. Um... There's a fantastic story called Israel in there about some kid that he runs around with who's like this incredibly poor dude on the island of DR or whatever who has like I think like a huge scar and that story is incredibly sad and I read it on a bus uh, a train to uh, to New Haven, Connecticut and I became very depressed. Yeah, it's the first story. Uh, I, I like Juno Diaz. He like you know on, seemingly when you read his stuff, it's like oh this would appeal to like a horny video game addict who happens to be Dominican and speaks in like you know like tri-state slang or whatever. But then like he wins the Pulitzer and like everybody loves this dude. It's pretty cool that you can you know just make music for like interview a between him and Richard Parise in the New York Magazine where they're both talking about New York. That's really really good. It's very informal. A lot of cursing and like slang in it. Well, just talking to you guys, I can learn so much about knowledge. That's what's so great about that's racist. So much knowledge. Like knowledge. The knowledge, and we have been doing the knowledge since 92. So. Now, what about Mabel Luhan? Who's Mabel Luhan? Mabel Dodge Luhan was, uh, uh, call? she was like a rich lady, a patron of arts, and she tried to kill herself by drinking a, a glass full of needles, I believe. Uh, no, a, a bowl full of figs that had needles all stuffed inside of the figs. And she lived. I think she still lived, so that must have sucked. Uh, Victor, uh, cool. Could you please tell me about 290? 
two ninety. Isn't that what it costs for you to live? Two ninety a month? How so cheap? Oh, nice. it's five people. He lives in the house too. He pretty much sleeps on the couch. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 I live on the couch and with my moms. Uh, it's five people in a four bedroom. Um, the four bedroom is in a bad place, and it's you know like it's the only house on the thing. We're next to like a place that fixes cars and some other. Next to a towing company and a Chinese factory warehouse. That's a great deal for Brooklyn, isn't it? Two ninety a month. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's like you oh, Brooklyn's know. Big, I mean, yeah. Brooklyn's big. It's not. You can't no, just. No, like, no, you can't. Two hundred ninety dollars to to live somewhere is insane. I ha- I have a room with heating, and it's and I paid three hundred fifteen. That's insane. Yeah. With like a, you know a closet. It's crazy. That's racist. I have another quote for you. Shorty said, I look just like... There's a bunch of yeah. stuff in that song. The E. I look just like... Shorty said, I look just like the... Oh. Egyptian lover. Yeah. The Egyptian lover. Dude. Awesome. What can you tell the people about that throwdown? The Egyptian lover. You guys giving props to the Egyptian lover and Snow. Oh, we love right here. It's called The Big Payback. And in it, it's about the history of business and rap. And they're talking about Makala Records, uh, which was uh, like just a guy who pressed up records and, and like let people, artists, in, in, independently distribute them, which kind of like set off like LA rap, at least a lot of it. And uh, whatever, I think his name is Broussard. It was the Egyptian lover. And he was one of the very big early artists on that, on that before the Wrecking Crew, which is what Dr. J was in before uh, NWA. Another quote for Das Racist. Me, I look a little something like... Oh. Uh, I look a little something like... I look a little something like... A young Shock G. A long Shock G. <laughs> my brother's friends with that dude. His name is Greg. My brother's his boy. He apparently looks incredibly young, and he does comedy once in a while in Seattle, which he comes to. Shock and, G? Uh, yeah, that's crazy. And uh, yeah, one time. Shock G. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Oh yeah, just one time. My brother was sitting next to him. My brother's uh, my brother's a nice dude. Doesn't really drink or do any drugs or whatever. Neither do I. And then uh, and then he came by and uh, he just plopped down next to my brother and pulled out a bag with, like forty e pills and it and just ate one. He asked my brother if he got it. And my brother's like, "What's that?" <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, it's e man." Or in the way that I'm sure dude said it, that was that funny. And he was like, "Oh no, I'm okay." But Shock G. Before we put Shock G. Here to the pile of history, there Heems. <laughs> Shock G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Digital Underground, discoverers of Tupac, right? Yeah, he was a backup dancer for them. And you are Das Racist, not the fake Das Racist. Yeah, we're the fake Das Racist. Who's the fake Das Racist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we met him one time, actually, in New York. Some white dude. <laughs> He's a white dude wearing a flannel shirt. He's like a white dude. <laughs> Not Diplo, he was behind the decks, wasn't he? No, he was just holding a t-shirt. I thought he was behind the decks. He was behind the decks holding up a t-shirt. <laughs> who else was at that L.A. gig? That must have been pretty wild to see, like, Diplo behind the decks holding up a t-shirt. Like, who else was there? Must have been some interesting occurrences. Yeah, shout out my man Tony Cunnell from No Doubt. That's my dude. Um, who else was there? Shout out Donald Glover, Kid Sister, Diplo, Scoop DeVille, Janina Gavanker. Those homies. Who else? Hanako Moondance, uh, Terrence Trujillo, and, um, I believe uh, the dude that played the Green Goblin in Spider-Man was there. Hmm. And lastly, Das Racist. Franco? 
No, the older one, uh, James Will. He was off Willem Dafoe. He was also Jesus in, uh, in uh, what do you call it? Temptation. Tem- Last Temptation of Christ. The show was the first place Willem Dafoe and Fareed Zakaria have both been at the same time. You ever noticed those two dudes and ever? So we finally solved it. We've solved it. They're two separate people. They are not, in fact, the same person. Fareed Zakaria and Willem Dafoe are two different people. I think I was drinking a little... Maybe he was just moving around hella fast. But how did he get the brown face on and then off so quickly? You know, he's f- that long when you've been pretending to be two different people for so long. I got you. That's racist. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Hi. Hi. I have a baby. I have a baby. Hi. You're a baby, Dad? Yeah. You're a baby? <laughs> 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 Nah, man. <laughs> Why should people care about that's racist? Why should people care? I don't know. Brown skin. I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't. They probably shouldn't. Actually, there's about 800, 900 more important things at least. Well, thanks so much, that's racist. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot, doot, loot, do. Doot, doot. Taco Bell. What? I'm at the combination pizza hut and Taco Bell. Wait a minute, I got that taco smell, that pescado smell. I got a lot of smells. I rolled a lot of L's. I I'm at that pizza hut. Okay. I got that pizza gut. I got that pizza butt. I'm at the pizza hut and at the Taco Bell. I'm at that pizza hut. I'm at that Taco Bell. Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Pizza Hut. Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. Taco Bell. One, one, two, three, four. I'm at the Pizza Hut. I'm at the Taco Bell. I'm at the Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. What? I'm at the Pizza Hut. What?
and you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Das Racist! And some Taco Bell Pizza Hut action. And before that, an interview with Das Racist. Coming up shortly, an interview with Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan, who are playing the Commodore tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. But right now, going to play a brand new track from Little Guitar Army. Thank you, Tony Bardock of the Pointed Sticks, who also plays in, amongst many other people, Little Guitar Army. And Little Guitar Army are playing next Thursday at the Billmore. It's a CD release party. It's Little Guitar Army, The Living Deadbeats, Centaurs of the Bloody Univorse CD release, and Little Guitar Army are characterized by Alan McInnes from the Alienated in Vancouver blog site. you got to check it out. Alienated in Vancouver blog site as, quote, the best fucking band in the universe. Well, in Vancouver. Well, no, in the universe. And you're going to hear a track right now from the brand new upcoming Little Guitar Army CD. It's called Stupid. And again, you can check out the Little Guitar Army playing next Thursday, the 9th, at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with the Living Deadbeats and Centaurs of the Bloody Universe. Here is Little Guitar Army with... Stupid on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Little Guitar Army with Stupid on an Ardwired Human Serviette radio show. Catch them next Thursday at the Biltmore. Well, we're waiting for Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan to phone into the Nardwar Human Serviette radio show. I thought I would return to an interview that I did earlier this year with Alex Burroughs from the Vancouver Canucks. Who are you? Alex Burroughs. Alex, I'd like to right off the bat give you a gift. Okay, that'd be awesome. Now, I wonder what it could be. It is some Tina Turner, Simply the Best. That's a great song. Remember uh, one of my buddies uh, used to play it all the time uh, when we win a big game and they play the song Simply the Best. So it reminds me a lot of uh, good memories. Thank you very much. Now, what would you do with the song? Now, you got it on CD. Would you put it on your iPod? Are you into the iPod? Uh, yes, I like the iPod. Uh, I got an iPhone, so I got all my music in there. and uh, So that's how I rock. Now, what about ringtones and stuff? I had heard Kevin Bieksa had said that you have Celine Dion as your ringtone. Is that true? No, that's not true. I just like the quiet vibrate mode and uh, so no, it doesn't bother anyone. The vibrate mode. I love that. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Alex Burroughs at the Vancouver Canucks. I have seen you singing, though. You've been singing a bit, haven't you? I saw you on TV singing. What was that? Well, that was for a charity event a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, and um, we came up at the French guys with a French song uh, to entertain the people there, and um, that's how it worked out. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder, Alex, would you ever consider possibly doing a record like Marcel Dion did? No, probably not. I've never even seen this one, but... Uh I guess uh, those uh, LA Kings, they had to sell some tickets, so they had to do a few different things. Well, I think it would be really great if you did do a song, so I thought I'd get you stoked on a Vancouver Canucks song. Okay, that'd be great. You, you give me the lyrics and the music, and uh, you hook me up to get practice, and uh, we'll get it done. Well, we actually have the song, and I'm going to give this to you right here. It's the 1975 Vancouver Canucks theme song. Canucks are with you. Oh, really? I've never heard the song, so... I don't know what happened to it, but uh should get the DJ Dave to play it again in warm-up. That's actually a gift for you, Alex. That's a gift so you can learn it. Oh, thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll listen to it later today and uh, see what I can do with it. Now, 40 years, the Vancouver Canucks, a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it's 40 years. It's a long time, but... Uh, it's a great organization and uh, looking better than ever now. And fighting for the cup. And the Canucks have always had records like they have the Vancouver Canucks theme song. But they also had this record right here, Alex. Canucks with a little help from your friends. Well, that's, a, that's another beauty. That's for sure. Now, if we turn that over, Alex, who do we see on the back there? Harold? Harold Snaps. Have you met Harold Snaps at all? Met a few times uh, through golf tournaments or, or at games and stuff like that. So I've seen him around. Now, what I was wondering, Alex, is Harold Snaps once fought Doug Risebrow right underneath the stands. Have you ever seen anything like that in all the leagues you've been in, fights going on under the stands, players? Have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, not really. Not anymore. I think those were the good old days, but that doesn't happen anymore, that's for sure. What's the closest thing you've seen to, like, under the stands fighting? Like, locker room fighting or stuff in the hall? Like, I mean, because that's amazing. Snaps, under the stands. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good, but uh, I saw Rick Rippin grabbing the fans. It was uh, probably the best thing, uh, not the best thing, but the biggest thing I saw, that's for sure. Alex, I had also heard that you wanted to be a gym teacher. Uh, yeah, but that would not make it as an NHL or that would probably be a teacher somewhere. And uh, I like sports so much, so that would probably be a gym teacher. 
Well, Alex, do you think you could be both a gym teacher and an NHLer? For instance, uh, like Gilbert Delorme, who has an exercise record. Well, that's pretty good. I don't do you remember Gilbert Delorme? Oh, yeah, I remember him for sure. But uh, I don't know where you come up with these things. They're pretty good. So this is an exercise record to add. What about an Alex Burroughs exercise record? I mean, check out that cover. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Oh, it is. Sweet tights, um, sweet bikes, sweet bench press. So I'm sure... Uh, It'd be nice to see a, a Burroughs one, that's for sure. But it doesn't stop there, Alex. There also was the Lafleur record. Did you ever see this one before? Never saw the the Lafleur one, but uh, I heard a lot of good things about the guy. It's a great record. It's like disco beats, and he's talking to like skate, skate over top of the disco beats. Oh, really? Probably with the blonde air flowing through while he's skating. So pretty. Exactly. You got it. You are psychic, Alex. For instance, pull out the little insert that goes with this Lafleur record right here. You can put the other records there down right here. Speaking to Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks. What does the insert have? This could be your ins. Oh, first off, we got that. That's pretty amazing. What do we have here, Alex? This could be your poster. Oh, nice. Uh, Gila Fleur blonde hair, shirtless. Um, I guess the ladies back in Montreal probably love these pictures, and I'm sure a few of them have uh, this hanging up in their room, that's for sure. So that's the potential for doing one of these exercise skating records. It isn't always just the skating or the music, sometimes it's the insert. Better than Ryan Kessler in his underwear with uh, the RK17 campaign, that's for sure. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and speaking of Vancouver Canucks, I was mentioning the history of Canucks records and stuff, Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks. There also was King Richard's Army, Richard Brodeur. Yeah, I met him too a few times. Um, I know he was a great goalie for the Canucks, and um, now he's a painter. He does a pretty good job painting, uh, and uh, he's a really good, uh, good guy. Now, after he retired, he did a bit of broadcasting. Didn't know that. He was into broadcasting. Why is it that so many goaltenders are into broadcasting? You know, Kelly, Rudy, Weeks, etc. Why so many goaltenders? I don't know. That's a good question, but uh, I think they probably know. They see the game uh, all their life from back there, and uh, they probably think they know how to see it from on top. Alex, what about Luongo? Well, as a goaltender, he's awesome, but as a sports anchor, I'm not sure how he'd do because uh, I think he, he likes to play poker and stop pucks. That's about it. Well, I was saying, as a goaltender, he does very well, doesn't he? The way he moves back and forth. Have you seen this figurine at all? Yes, I've seen this one before. I think uh, there's is that a McDonald one or, or I don't know. They, he's got a few of them. Now, what is it going to take for you to get one of these, or do you have one? I think the only thing I got it's a bubble lead, and it kind of looks funny going this way. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll have to talk about to the organization about it. Alex Burrows at Vancouver Canucks, you are also interested in broadcasting yourself, aren't you? You were on the Team 1040 for a bit. Uh, Team 1040, I did a little bit of Sportsnet with uh, the guys for preseason. It was an experience that I uh, kind of liked. It was not too much to say what you thought and uh, looked at the game, so it was pretty easy. Now, who do you look for inspiration when you're doing broadcasting? Oh, I like uh, Jim Rossum a lot. He, um, he was good at... Uh, Tom Larshai too, right? Larshai was good. Bingo, bango. Luongo. Yeah, I love it. That's what he used to say, but uh, Tom was really good too. Uh, I had him in the last few years, and uh, he was uh, good to have around. 
Because I was thinking, hmm, we got to get Alex back in the broadcast booth. Really? You got any like a bingo bongo uh, comments for me to uh, to use? Or exactly, I have another gift for you, Alex. Right here, the hockey night in Canada record, yeah. the classic one from the '60s, '70s, has all these amazing calls in it. I thought you could take that home and learn some of the calls to practice up. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. I'd love to read it all and uh, listen to some of the best moments uh, that happened in the game. So that'd be good. So you can get back up in the booth and do her. Yeah, that'd be sick. That'd be uh, be pretty good for me. Alex, if I head to Montreal, I gotta go to Schwartz's, don't I? Smoked meat, right? Yes, yes, exactly. That's a really good spot. Saint Laurent Street. Yeah, I've been to Schwartz's. What about other smoked meat places? Isn't there a place called Abbey's? Is there Abbey's Meat and Steak? What are some other smoked meat places? I don't know the Abbey's one, but uh, I know there's a great one in Yelltown there in Vancouver with fat smoked meat. That's a good, another good smoked meat place. How about though in Montreal, Momesso? Doesn't Sergio Momesso have a restaurant? Have you heard about that? Yeah, I know Sergio a little bit. I know he has got a restaurant in the West Island there and in downtown. So uh, I've never been, but I've heard he's got a good little restaurant there. What other restaurants do you think that you've been to that you've enjoyed at a run by NHLers? What's some good NHLer food? I mean, you'd have the smoked beef in yours, right? <laughs> uh, like uh, a lot of guys now, they take care of their uh, their weight and uh, the way they eat to be, to perform every night. And uh, the smoked meat only goes in the summer or on a round of golf. But we like the filet mignon and uh, the nice uh, lean piece of meat so we can stay healthy. Alex Burrows, in the NBA, players get $135 or something like that per diem, per day, to spend on food. Quite a bit. But when you were in the ECHL, you got how much a day to spend on food? I think it was 32 bucks a day. So it wasn't a lot. You had to uh, three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with it, and a few snacks there and there. And uh, you had to think about your poker game, too, if you wanted, wanted to ante a $5 in there, too. So And some booze, right? And some booze and uh, a lot of um, snacks for the long bus rides. So what would you recommend that I have? I only got like 32 bucks. What's the best way to like stuff up? What are the best toppings at Subway? Uh, lettuce. <laughs> Make sure you get a lot of cheese in there, a lot of meat, and uh, try to get all the veggies so you, you don't have to eat uh, another meal. So is Subway one of the places anywhere else to really get cheap food on $32? Um, there was some uh, uh, cheap pasta joints that we could get some pasta for five or six bucks. So those were the places we tried to go. Alex Bruce of the Vancouver Canucks. You also played with Mark Andre Waugh. Yeah, Mark Andre Waugh. Yeah, he was a beauty. That's for sure. Now he had like six hundred and fifty-three penalty minutes in sixty-eight games. Yeah, that's uh, eleven games in the sin bin and uh, in a season. So that was a, a QMJHL record. So uh, it might still be a CHL record. What do you remember about him? Well, the guy was uh, loved to fight. He, uh, he didn't care whoever he fought, and uh, had a big tattoo on his chest, and uh, is a. Uh, couldn't really uh, understand him uh, when he was speaking English, so it's pretty funny. And the Canucks had him up at a training camp a couple of years ago, didn't they? Well, they drafted him, I think, in uh, Berkey when he was there, and I think in the seventh round, and uh, the fans were complaining about not having enough toughness, so I guess that's why they drafted him. But the uh, guy uh, wasn't really a hockey player, he was more of a fighter. And he's still rocking, though, now in some league, isn't he? In Quebec, in one of those Quebec leagues. Yeah, Quebec senior, I think he's uh, It's more of a league that have two lines that can play and two lines that can fight. So uh, he's fighting over there, I guess, and uh, make, uh, earning a living. Alex, what about 
yourself, is it true that the last fight you had in the NHL was with Dan Hambus? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, last year with Dan. Yeah, that was a good one. Have you talked to him about that or tried to recreate that in practice? Yeah, we did. Not in practice, but we talked about it. And uh, he said that I was getting under his skin. And I said the same thing about him. So uh, it was all good. And uh, now we're good friends. Alex, I once interviewed Felix the... Cat. Felix the Cat. Felix Podfan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loved punk rock, like the UK subs and the Dayglow abortions. How about yourself? Were you ever into, like, the Planet Smashers or the local Rabbits punk rock bands in Montreal? Not really. Um, I, I stick with my, the techno music and the rap and uh, that kind of stuff. Not, not much into punk rock. But you're into possibly singing and doing a record, right, Alex? Yeah, I'll work on that. I'll look at the lyrics and add the song, and if I like it, I'll, I'll work my best. Please get back to me on that, because I have another thing. Lastly, to show you here, Alex, the Bobby Orr record on Takeaways. Oh, really? I've never seen that one, too. That's a, an oldie, that's for sure. And check out the nice pictures that are inside this one. Nice. You talk about windswept back hair there for yeah. Guy Lafleur. Some nice pondering shots there of Bobby. Oh, there's a, there's a nice Bobby or one there on the back. Yes. That's a nice one, that's for sure. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks? Not really. You're on the show, not me. Well, thanks very much. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable Cable 88.5, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Go Canucks Go! An interview with Alex Burroughs. And we have a caller on the line right now. Are you there, caller? I'm here, Nardwar. Do you want to tell who I am, or should I be incognito? Who are you? My name is Chris Murphy, and I play in the rock band Sloan. Welcome to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, Chris Murphy. So happy to be here. Right off the bat, Chris Murphy of Sloan, (laughs) playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tonight at the Commodore Ballroom, hardcore punk. Did reliving hardcore punk lead to you breaking your collarbone? Um, Maybe. I don't know where you're going with this, but... Maybe. What do you mean? Well, you had a serious injury that maybe you could tell the people about, and I understand that happened after a night of recording some classic hardcore punk. You play in the pop punk band, Sloan. I've always wanted you to be on Lookout Records, but you never took my advice. And you tried to relive some of your youth by recording some pop punk standards by Minor Threat, etc., etc. And that night you ended up getting horribly hurt. That's exactly right. I was recording... um I was recording, actually, an original that I wrote in about 1988 called Jenny, which was about Jennifer Pierce. If you know her, she played in the band Jail. And um, I was recording a whole bunch of my my girlfriend and my kid were away, which is really rare. So I always go to bed really early. But I was out late recording and having fun. And then Jay Ferguson, my, my buddy in the band, was DJing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out. So I went out at midnight, which was sort of, like, I'm usually in bed by 9.30. So I was all excited, and I went out, and I danced around, had fun. And then I got on my bike, and then I got immediately hit by a car and smashed on my smashed my collarbone up. And But apparently the people, everybody who sort of found me were friends of mine because I was hit so close to the place where I was that everybody, and it was just, just as everybody was getting out. So the people who, who tended to me were friends of mine, but I don't remember that. 
Did they ever catch the guy that hit you? They did catch the person who hit me, although he did he did flee the scene, but his license plate was taken and he, he was... Uh, the cops caught him. Now, I was kind of joking a bit about the hardcore angle, but actually the hardcore reality of it all was you lost a bit of income from that, didn't you, Chris Murphy of Sloan? We, we lost a little bit of income. We played, um, we normally make all our money in the summer playing at these summer festivals, and we definitely lost a few of them. But I was able to play some of them, like, in a sling, I, and we had some other people playing bass and stuff for me. And these were, like, summer festivals with Joe Saturani, really important gigs that you had to make, right? <laughs> You know what? Oh, you're such a mean person. Was Joe Saturani on Joe the Saturani bill? Joe Saturani was there, that's true. How can I be mean if I'm telling the truth? Because you're like saying how important it is to make this such a horrible show. But I think it's great, though, that Joe Saturani was at a gig, however you pronounce his name. Saturani. And you guys were playing Joe Saturani covers up on stage because you had forgotten that he was actually at the gig because you actually liked the Saturani, what? right? What is that story? Patrick. He was playing a Joe Satriani cover. And had forgotten that Joe Satriani was actually at the actual festival that you were playing. Okay, listen. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's awesome. I, I don't know anything about Joe Satriani except for that he was on the cover of Guitar Magazine every time I went to look for a magazine in the 80s. But I don't know anything about him. Well, Chris Murphy of the Rock and Roll Band. But he was in the, was in the super group, I guess, if you can call them, Chicken Foot, with Sammy Hagar and... Uh, somebody else oh the guy chad from the red hot chili peppers and we did play a show with them but i did not see them and you have done a chicken foot cover haven't you hasn't patrick fooled around doing some chicken footing <laughs> i don't think so which is awesome to cover chicken foot i love that sloan always taking risks and just back <laughs> to the beginning there chris murphy of sloan doing the hardcore covers you really actually were recording some hardcore that night when you got hit so indirectly your love of hardcore your recapturing your youth yep. caused you almost to lose some money or did but cause you to lose almost lose my life in hardware. like if i hadn't been wearing my bike helmet i'd be dead or brain damaged or paralyzed or something and what was the connection to jail that night Oh, just that I was playing, uh, I was singing a song called Jenny, which is about Jennifer Pierce, which I wrote in the 1988 or something when, um, you know, she was my girlfriend in high school, so, so I've known her for a long, long time. So I wrote a song about how mad I was at her at the time. And I and even when I was recording it, I emailed her to say, I'm going to record this song. Are you, are you upset about it? And she didn't care. What's interesting, Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan, and we're speaking here to Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan <laughs> on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show. Earlier on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show, I played a track by a new band called Jail, J. A-I-L-L. They're from Milwaukee. Oh, okay. And guess what? They're on Sub Pop, too. No way. So isn't that kind of weird? Like, you knew the original Jail, and they were on Sub Pop, and now there's a new band called Jail on Sub Pop, too. That is that is weird. I wonder how. I wonder if Sub Pop even remembers Jail. That's what I was kind of wondering about. <laughs> uh, they're a great band, though. Jail actually got the record from one of the guys in the band, and I played the track Beggar Sincere. I love the track, but I thought that was kind of wild. Is that kind of almost like a way to erase history? Like, there was this great band, Jail, and now let's just replace them with another band called Jail on our label. Well, it's a, it's a uh, uh, what's it called, a homonym, isn't it? I'm not really good at understanding those words. Plus, You're I, the smartest person I know. You well, you jerk. tell me, Chris Murphy, that I almost not, get it. the same. I almost get it, but not quite. You like, know. I, well, that's right. You always almost right with the facts, and you always have one major thing wrong. 
<laughs> Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, are you now doing voiceovers for a show starring a monkey named Eli? <laughs> I did do that. It's true. But it, but it aired on the night that was supposed to have been the uh, the rapture, so I thought it might not air. Was there some controversy about this? It's true. What was it? And could you explain to the people your voiceover career, like you doing some voiceovers of a monkey? I, did. I didn't I do the monkey's voice, but I had to do some kind of narration. Um, did, who did you call, talk to about this? Chris Nelson? He's your buddy. And you're listening to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And if anybody has any questions for Chris Murphy of Sloan, who is playing tonight at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, it's 604-822-247-604-UBC-CITR. Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band yep. Sloan. Tom, there's a new Tom in your life. Now, let me just go back to the old Tom. I always ask you about... Okay, wait a minute. Do you mean Tom Zutok? Well, he's the old ta- Tom... Kind of same as the new Tom. No, not same as the new Tom. But who's the old Tom Zutop? For people that haven't been following our interviews over the years, Chris Murphy, the rock and roll band, Sloan. Well, Tom, I don't know Tom... if you refer to Tom Zutot as the metal guy or Todd Sullivan as the metal guy. Tom Zutot signed uh, uh, Motley Crue to A&M, and he signed Guns N' Roses to Geffen. And his other Geffen signings were like Tesla and stuff like that. But he had an underling character named Todd Sullivan, who he was sort of helping. Todd Sullivan was our uh, A&R person and he, when he was just like a, a new guy. And then his next signing was Weezer. And so he became, he went from being just like an underling guy to a very powerful guy in, in about a year. But by the time he was at any power, we were basically broken up for about a year. That's the Tom Zutati slow oh, that's right. Sorry. The, and the other thing is, sorry, the last detail... Uh, Nardwar, that you may or may not know, is that Tom Zutat left Geffen, and he started his own label called The Enclave, and we were one of the bands that were that were briefly on The Enclave. Well, we were on The Enclave the whole time, but but The Enclave was brief because it went under. It was part of the EMI system, and and um, our band and uh, like Bell and Sebastian, like it was a really cool roster. Um, I th- and I think that I think that Tom Zutat was sort of lamenting uh, the the change of the guard at Geffen, and he thought that it had become more of a marketing company than a music company. And one of the things that he wanted to do by signing us was really stick it to Geffen by making us huge stars, which we were, about which we were happy. But he didn't get a chance to because they the EMI pulled the plug on his funding right away. And now you're on Yep Rock, which is interesting, the same label as the Sadies, who contain Mike Beletsky, who once jum- drummed for Jail. That's exactly true. See, the old jail. I guess we have to differentiate now. J-A-L-E. Does Mike of the Sadies ever talk about jail, like the old days in jail? <laughs> in jail? His his jailbird days? Baboom. Just the jail rock band. He was, I don't know, his claim to fame for me as a music fan, well, the jail sort of became this other group called The V's. Did you ever hear that? No. They just did like an EP. It was kind of, I forget, somebody left jail and it was just the three of them it was mike belitsky and two of the members of jail we put out an ep of them on murder records but mike belitsky's claim to fame is that he droned for the band called the jellyfish babies that came out of halifax you know they started about 84 85 and they they put out a record in 85 and they were my real i was so jealous of that band i wanted to be in that band so bad but mike wasn't the original drummer but but he joined the jellyfish babies when they made their move to toronto I think I remember that band, like their foundation for Nova Scotia rock, aren't they? Jellyfish Babies, their foundation. They, 
they were basically the coolest band in the world for me at the time. Like they inspired me. I think they were in grade eleven or something when they put out that record, and I, I, I was so jealous. I was in grade twelve, and they were way cooler than I was. Did you have any connection to Sarah McLaughlin at all way back when? Well, I was just looking at some of the stuff that I didn't really. Um, Patrick's, the, the, Patrick's girlfriend, like the mother of his children, like was good friends with Sarah McLaughlin. She went to a different uh, high school than me, and she—I don't know if she's in my grade or a grade above. But when she was sort of on the Halifax scene in her band October Game, um, I I wasn't into that. I was just into hardcore. But um, one of the guys that played in her band, the October Game, his name is Barry Walsh, and he went on to do a couple of different bands, including this band called Cool Blue Halo, who we were sort of on the scene with Sloan a little bit in the in the 90s in Halifax, and he lives in Toronto now, and he's in a band called Galore, and another guy in his band is this guy, Kevin Hilliard, and he's on tour with us right now. You are so good, Chris Murphy. And you again exemplified why I'm always wrong, almost always wrong, because I'm almost there. I was going to call Sarah McLaughlin's band October Crisis. Right. Well, and if I was, also October Crisis. And if I wasn't speaking to you, I would have said October Crisis. I wanted, to throw, I wanted to throw a bunch of facts in there before you sort of made, made a, a mistake. Thank you very much, because I was close. I had like October Crisis, not October Game. Right. And we're speaking here to the Corrector, Chris Murphy from the band Sloan. And Sloan are playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada here tonight at the Commodore Ballroom. Well, Chris Murphy, we had Tom Zutati, we had Tom Sullivan, but there's a new Tom, Tom Sharpling, the new Tom. How did you meet Tom Sharpling of The Best Show? He loves you guys. Okay, well, I don't, okay, well, first of all, it's Todd Sullivan. And Tom Sharpling, I, don't, I know who he is, but I don't think he knows, I don't think. I, I don't know if he knows. I think he knows who we are, but I don't. We don't hang out with him. I don't know him really. I've actually tweeted him a few times about his love for Sloan, so I do know he has some Sloan love. So he's been to some of your gigs. I know that. I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, we we um, know about his show, and we have heard that he has championed our band, and that's awesome. But I don't really have a real finger on him. I don't have a real connection to him. Okay, but well... I like him. I'd like to meet him and hang out. Well, I was trying to establish a new Tom for the 21st century, just because I've been talking to you about Tom Zutat right. well, over and over Tom again. Right, in my life who is Jennifer Pierce from Jail's uh, husband, and he runs the hockey league that we all play in. I thought that's where you were going, because we, wrote, uh, we all wrote a couple of articles for Magnet Magazine online in the sort of guest editor thing, and I talk about Tom Goodwin. But you know that's not the Tom you mean. I thought it might have been a bit about the comedy too that you were trying to get at with the Tom, you know, Tom Sharpling, because you had mentioned to me. I think Tom Sharpling, or for some reason I thought you had, but maybe you had. But then I thought more about some comedy, Jesus Christ Superstar with David Cross. Yeah. What we happened did that there? A couple years ago, um, we were playing uh, an event hosted by the Onion AV Club in Brooklyn. And we knew that David Cross was going to be there, so I got his email and emailed him to ask if he would play a song with us. And I said, I don't know if you want to do a cool song or a funny song, and I gave him a, a spectrum from from cool to funny, which went something like like Velvet Underground, like I forget what they all were, like a bunch of cool bands, and then it got into sort of goofy bands like Rush, and then I said like we could do the Canadian National Anthem, and that's what he wanted to do. And then I put Jesus Christ Superstar. And I knew that he that on Mr. Show he had done Jesus uh, Jeepers Creepers Superstar. So and I knew that he could sing. So I thought that maybe he would do a song from Jesus Christ Superstar. And that's what we did. We did the opening tr- track Heaven on Their Minds, and he was awesome. He's a really good singer and a really good sport. 
Tom Sharpling, David Cross, and there's an SCTV connection to uh, Sloan as well. Isn't there, Chris oh, Murphy? Oh, Sloan. you're doing something with Eugene Levy's son? Is that what you're getting at? Oh, you're good. You're good. Exactly. Please explain, Chris Murphy. I don't Murphy. even know. Patrick has a blog that he writes through Simpatico, and it's been called Discord, and it's either changed or changing into something else. And I think he may be somehow in cahoots with... Dan Levy. Dan Levy, yeah, the son of Eugene Levy. And I wish that I could parlay that into some kind of hang with Eugene Levy because he's one of my top five funniest people of all time. And Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, you were connected to, speaking of connections, Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper during the election. I, uh, I, there was a thing called, what was it called, voter nostalgia or something? High school yearbook picks? No, but it, there was a website called something... Some, but there was a picture of Stephen Harper in his high school days, and he had the big sort of uh, David Koresh glasses like I do. And so it was suggested that he looked like me, although he's really skinny. I wish I was as skinny as he is. Have you seen any of your music used in any promotional stuff for elections at all? Um, I never know if you if you know and you're just pushing me. Like, I believe, speaking of believe, I think, I believe that Jack Layton may have used our song Believe in Me uh, for some kind of something to do with his campaign. Is that true? I am not sure. I was just <laughs> curious. I haven't seen that in any kind of media. Like, I haven't seen it. I've heard people make mention of it, but I don't think that he has used it on TV or radio in a way that he would have to pay us or anything. Has anybody... In terms of all the, the, the candidates, I think... I think I think everybody in the band would be politically aligned with NDP. Has anybody approached you ever and you turned them down at all? No, but we did play one we did play a thing one time for uh what's his name? What the hell? What was the prime minister a couple guys ago? Paul Martin? Paul Martin. We played some liberal thing. We were playing some party that was liberal something or other. I don't know what it was. And Paul Martin was the prime minister or or was becoming prime minister. I forget what it was. Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, I have a clip I'm going to play for you right now. And if you could please identify what is going on. Here is a clip for you, Chris Murphy of the band Sloan on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. of the explosion of maritime talent. Just four years ago, Sloan was washing dishes to earn enough money to record a few songs. Two albums later, they single-handedly established Halifax as the Canadian capital of alternative rock. Please welcome Sloan. Amazing. Chris Murphy? I think we launched into Pen Pals. What was going on there? Could you explain to the people? You mean you mean explain who she is? Yes, please. That woman, her name is Rita McNeil. She's from Cape Breton. She's from where's she from? What's it called? And she's from Cape Breton. I should know the town she's from, and I do, but I forget. And she's enormous. She weighs about I don't know three hundred and fifty pounds. How much does she weigh? She's she's a, as big as a house. Well, she, she but is. she's the nicest person yes. of all time. She had her life was so hard. She was up. She moved to Toronto and was, like, cleaning the horseshoe or something. Like, she was, like, cleaned at night, or work nights, cleaning the bar. And and she would be singing in her spare time or whatever. And, and then finally she made a, a career for herself, and she made quite a bit of money. And she had her own TV variety show. And, and she had us on one time. Now, she represents what was going on in the sort of industry, the music industry in, in um 
in the Maritimes or the Atlantic provinces when we sort of were getting going, and it was something that we were sort of rebelling against with all this sort of Celtic music that we were not into. But I got to hand it to her. She has gone against adversity. Like, she used to, like, her boyfriend used to beat the shit out of her, and, like, but she... Like she wins because she had had it so hard, and she became very successful, and um, and we were on her show, and she obviously knew nothing about us. She was reading something about us, but um, God love her. Well, what she was reading specifically said, "quote Washing dishes." Who was the dishwasher in Sloan, Chris Murphy? Nobody. She was the dishwasher. <laughs> so she just totally made that up. None of you guys ever washed dishes. I think that she just meant doing uh, crappy jobs, and here we were successful. I'm saying the same thing about her. What about on that show, particularly? What are you wearing? You're wearing some sort of like Beatles Nehru slash Michael Jackson hybrid jacket. <laughs> we went into the CBC. We were at CBC, and we just went in looking for costumes to wear, and we all kind of wore this kind of medieval stuff. It was probably a bad idea, because we looked stupid, but we had we were having a lot of fun at the time. Well, Rita McNeil is a legend yes. from the Maritimes, but so is Denny Doherty yes. of the Mamas and the Papas. Now, over the years, Chris Murphy, and again, we're speaking here to Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. I've interviewed over the years, Chris, and I've always asked you, like, Denny Doherty of the Mamas and the Papa's stories. You haven't really had any. Do you have any new stories yet about Denny Doherty of the Mamas and Papas, an important band? He's from the Maritimes. Yeah, I don't really have anything good for you. I'm sorry. Except his son playing in the pop punk band Ill Scarlet. That's the last oh, thing he, he told really? me. Yes. That is a band I know very little about. I appreciate that you call us pop punk band. I think, I think at best we're like pop rock these days, and, and and I think that people are really emphasizing how we're a pop group more than a rock group. But whatever we come from. And punk. check out some of that rock tonight at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. We're speaking here to Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions <laughs> for Chris Murphy of the band Sloan, actually, I will also open it up to Twitter as well. At Nardwa, hit me back if you have any questions for Chris Murphy of Sloan. That's N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. Chris Murphy of Sloan, since we last talked, I didn't really know about the chicken foot. I guess we kind of gave that one away. But Lenny Kravitz, the Stones, Alice Cooper, and Eric's Trips, Sappy Fest. Yeah. Kravitz in Vancouver? Pardon me? You opened for Lenny Kravitz? We never made it to Vancouver. We were supposed to have come, but Lenny Kravitz canceled his tour about four or five shows in. We did about four shows with him. And what about the Stones and Cooper? We played with the Rolling Stones uh, like two different occasions. Well, once we played with we played with them in Boston for two nights at the Fleet Center, and we played with them as well in Halifax at a great big festival where it was totally rained out and stuff. But but we did get a photo opportunity with the Stones. It was more uh, uh, it was more. We also played with the Police. We opened for the Police in there too. And the police, like the Rolling Stones, was very everything was very organized, and they were sort of always, they were always where we couldn't see them and we couldn't get to them. But they did; it was so organized that they did give us about you know two minutes of their time, and they took they took photos with us. We didn't we didn't get to take photos. They took the photos and they sent an approved photo to us. But 
but at least I have a photo of us with the stones. We played with the police, but the police were, they did not require any kind of security from us. They were just like riding the elevators with us and sitting across from us on a couch. But they, um, but they also, we didn't get a photo with them because we felt goofy because they, they trusted us so much to be around them that we didn't want to be sycophantic to them. And Alice Cooper? Alice Cooper I've met several times, but I haven't, uh, I, we, Alice Cooper played at the Stones show, is that what it is? I guess he was Alice on that Cooper bill. played at the Stones show, and so did Kanye West. And I have a picture, my sister's very bold, so she made me take a picture of her with Kanye West. But I don't like to bother these people, because I feel like a goofball. And how about Sappy Fest? Sappy Fest was awesome, because as you know, Nardwar, um, we our band crossed over a long time ago, and and uh, once you've crossed over, it's kind of kind of hard to go back and be um, with the cool kids. Now, as much as I think that our band is still great and making great records, you know, we're making them in the context of you know having our songs in commercials and stuff like that. But when we went to play Sappy Fest, it was fun because it was such a cool curated. Um, it's curated festival. by Eric's trip, right? Pardon me? Eric's tri- Maybe tell the people about Sappy Fest. It was curated every year by Eric's trip and still continues to this day, right? Sort of, but I think, and I think that, well, Sappy Records was Julie Dwan, maybe Julian Rick's record label. I associated with Julie, and the label might still be hers. I'm not sure, but I think Sappy Fest is not, it's technically out of her hands. She doesn't run it, but she's kind of like the, the monarch figurehead. Uh, character there. I think it's run by a bunch of other people. But it was super fun, and it was all cool acts and stuff. And we played all of our second record, Twice Removed, in its entirety. And uh, But it was fun to do it. It was it was kind of a throwback to um, playing to just cool people and playing our record that sort of at a time, that, that was made at a time before we really crossed over. So it was fun for us to be able to sort of hang with the cool kids. Well, this crossover thing kind of bothers me. What caused the crossover? Was it the private jet for one show? What was the private jet? <laughs> what? For, the private jet for one show. You know, they talk about Adam and Eve and the Apple. Was your Apple the private jet for <laughs> one show, Chris Murphy of Sloan? No. Oh, you know what I mean. What like, was when, the private jet for one show? Didn't you have we, a private jet for one show? We did do that. We did. We had we had a show. It, it was Canada Day, and we played two shows on Canada Day, and we made big money at both shows. So in order to do both of them, the only way we could have done it was with a private jet. And I think, though I'm not sure if I'm remembering this properly, that sharing the, the private jet was the tea party. So I think we had there was a show in Ottawa and a show in Toronto or Barrie or something, and we flew one. We we played Toronto first and flew to Ottawa, and they played Ottawa first and flew to Toronto. So we shared the same jet. I think we shared the expense. I'm not sure. And you're playing this year with Stone Temple Pearl Jam. <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots were a band that were very hateable in the early '90s, and even I. They were a guilty pleasure of mine. Like by the time they came out with Big Bang Baby, and I guess that was later, but even that song Vaseline and stuff, you know, I didn't really like that sort of like ear singing. But I feel like they kind of gave up on that. I would imagine, though, I don't. I prefer my band to their band. I imagine that they have a lot of similar background to ours. Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, live here on Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Your merch guys look sharp on the pictures on your website. Could Isn't you describe, that amazing? Yeah, how are, are they actually dressed like that? Could you describe what they look like? Kevin Hilliard, my uh, who went to high school with me, though I didn't really know him that well, 
And as I say, he, he's, I mentioned him earlier, he's connected to, plays in a band with Barry Walsh, who played in the October game, not to be confused with the October crisis. Kevin Hilliard is on tour with us right now in our crew, basically doing lights whenever there's a show, whenever there's a club that has any lights to it, but also just basically um, providing uh, his joie de vivre so that we have fun the whole time. And one of the things that he did was he made purple satin jackets with Sloan XX Crew World Tour 2011-2013 written on them. And he's also got, so he made 10 of these things, and our whole crew is wearing them, and they're wearing yellow pants. And Mike, Mike Nelson just came back to the bus today with purple cons with yellow laces. So they're really going overboard. And uh, they're just trying to have fun. And, and uh, Does it help with merch sales? I think it probably does. But I think it also helps more importantly for me with the morale of the band and the tour. And I think that I don't, as much as I want to be perceived as cool, I also want to be perceived as approachable and fun. And I want the people that are around us and the people who represent us to be cool and fun and, and just make you want to smile more than, you know, frown. Chris Murphy, talking about morale and stuff, I heard an interview that you did with Grant Lawrence from CBC Radio 3. He's amazing. And he was talking to you about the Barking Parrot Saloon. You played the <laughs> Barking Parrot Saloon. Now you've actually played the Barking Parrot yeah, Saloon. Right. How was that? Is that your favorite venue name, the Barking Parrot Saloon? Um the other one that Grant really makes fun of me for playing is a place called Jam and Java Cafe. He 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 thinks that it basically reeks of uh, lack of success to be playing a place called the Jam and Java Cafe. <laughs> um, Barking Parrot was fine. It was just like in a, like in a hotel in Penticton, and you know when you're pl- when you're touring in a bus and a bus you really kind of can't afford, and uh, traveling with a an extensive crew and a dri- dedicated driver. Um, you know, a night off represents, uh, you know, basically $6,000 of uh, debt. I don't know if it's that much, but... So every show we can play, we're... You know, there's not there are not a lot of places to play between uh, Calgary and Vancouver. So you've got Penticton, uh, Kamloops, Kelowna, Banff. And in the Barking Parrot Saloon, home of Sloan. Well, anyway, it's not called Saloon. That's Grant's little uh, addition there. But it's amazing. I love Grant. And Sloan are playing tonight at the Commodore Saloon in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we're speaking here to Chris Murphy. Tickets still available, I think. And we're speaking here to Chris Murphy from the rock and roll band Sloan playing at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Chris Murphy, what exactly are you playing on this tour? Sloan's been around a long time. Yep. What is there that you can play? Like, you've been playing, what's there to decide? Is yep. it hard to remember the lyrics from the deep cuts? Um, sometimes. But that song is so slow that it gives, you, it gives your brain a little bit of time to remember what comes next. Has your you know usage of radio language helped at all? With Sloan, uh, what kind of what's what's an example of radio language? Well, you had a radio show on the CBC for a while. Did yeah. that help with your onstage banter in Sloan um, at all? I don't know. I think I exhausted every story I had on that show. I kind of ran out of stories, so I had to quit. But uh, I don't think it helped. Although you you are right that Jay and I did a, a radio show on Radio Three um, 
for about a year in 2006 or eight or something like that. You're really good, Chris. Thank you. Not only do you correct me, you also backtrack me and answer the question so I don't have to ask it again. Well, I never know what you're getting at. I feel like you're leading to something, but then you're not. Thank you so much, Chris Murphy of the Rock and Roll Band Sloan. And winding up here with Chris Murphy of the Rock and Roll Band Sloan, your new LP is on Yep Rock. How much of it is in minor key? Because you had told me that minor key was the key. Well, minor key, every modern song is in a minor key. All those, like, Beyonce songs and all that stuff. All the 80s songs were in major keys. And then it has been getting more and more minor as we've gone forward. Uh, we have a bunch. We have major keys and minor keys. Um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a real... Um, I, I don't know my music theory that much, but to oversimplify, uh, major keys are kind of happy, feel-good keys, and minor keys are uh, sadder keys. For instance, Spirit of the Radio. Are you still encoring with Spirit of the Radio? And is that a minor key? I feel like we may have done that once. Um, uh, but uh, that's a great one. That's amazing. Russia, the, if you ask me, Russia the Punkest Band in Canada. Chris Murphy of the Rock and Roll Band Sloan, are you in a future shop ad? This has always fascinated me because I thought it was Sloan and then I thought maybe it was a sound-alike band. Like you were offered this money to do a Future Shop ad. You said, no way. We're not going to do an ad with Future Shop. There's no way. And then they turned around and said, okay, we'll get a sound-alike band to sound like Sloan. Um, no, that's not. I wish that that were the case and that we were that cool. But no, we took the money and I think we would have been uh, fine had they used our version of the thing. But I think it's cheaper for them to get someone to do a quick re-record uh, because when you make money in these things, you can make money two ways. One is by owning the recording or by having played on the recording and owning it, and the other is by being the writer. So we got paid as the writer, and then instead of paying us um, to they, – they would have paid someone to just uh, quickly just do a redo of it, and it sounds very much the same. Uh, but they would have paid those people probably really poorly, and they put, paid them like a one-time fee as opposed to if it were our band or certainly a, a bigger band, they would have to pay them um, a lot more money. Can't you force them and say, hey, we want you to use our version? Um, I don't know about stuff. I never know, like, if, if a... I never know, like, if, if someone wanted to cover our song or put it on a commercial. Imagine with a commercial, you could fight it, but if someone wanted to cover our song on their record, on their own record, and they just, um, and they paid us the songwriter royalty for their album sales, I don't know if we have any say over it. I, I, get, I bet we probably do if it's a commercial. Have you heard any commercials that are Sloan sound-alike, that maybe they didn't ask you and just had a band to sound like Sloan, like, you know, one note off or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I do feel like um, that has happened in the past, though I can't remember the exact example. But then at, at the same time, we were probably, the song that we wrote, we probably stole from someone else anyway and just changed one or two notes, so it all evens out. Chris Murphy of Sloan Rock School with Chris Murphy of Sloan <laughs> Royalties. Your band Sloan contributed a theme song, if I'm not mistaken, to the Strombo Show yes. on CBC. When a rock and roll band, and maybe there's some rock and roll bands listening right now to the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, give a song, like a theme song, to a TV station to use for like a theme. Yep. What did they get royalty-wise? Like if you're on every night, you can't get paid every night, or is this the buyout how does it work i think with I, th I think that when you um i'm not exactly sure and i kind of think though i'm not 
I'm not certain. I kind of feel like we're not getting paid top dollar for that. I'm not sure. I don't want to even suggest that, but I would be willing to do it for less than top dollar because we're friends with George, and it's a good it's good association for us to be seen to have our song played all the time on a CBC show that has that kind of exposure. It's good for us even if, if we were given it to them for free, but I think they did pay us. Although I think we would be, have been willing. I don't want to give. I don't want to give away our hand. But I think we probably would have been willing to do it for less. Well, speak- part of me feels we did it for less than perhaps. Anyway, but I, that's all hearsay. I don't know. Well, speaking, and we're I love that we're friends and fans of George, and, and of the CBC. We're supporters of CBC. Well, speaking, and I love speaking to Chris Murphy of Sloan. You're talking about Delta Hand. Didn't you do something with Celebrity Poker? Did they use one of our songs in Celebrity Poker? Yes, they may have. I don't. I'm not up on all that stuff, and I certainly am not watching Celebrity Poker. But again, as I say. I would be fine if they used any of that stuff. And, and with Future Shop, for example, we had a song, Money City Maniacs, that was in the Future Shop ad. You know, um, they used us in several campaigns, so like we, they paid us several times, and it was really, it was a really big shot in the money, shot in the arm of money for us. It was, it was, it was needed uh, in an era when you have to get creative about, you know, we don't get as much, we don't make any money off record sales, and that was you know, some money that we used to count on, so you have to sort of reimagine different ways to get paid. And we have a tweet question here for Chris Murphy I think you're making this up, of the rock ahead. and roll band Sloan. It is from Spry and Jaded. And Spry and Jaded ask Chris Murphy of Sloan, ask about Gooseberry doing an entire Sloan cover band. Chris seems like he wouldn't know about that or understand. <laughs> Uh, Gooseberry Records. They did the Sloan compilation tribute album. Is that what he, that what they mean? Well, Brad, if you're listening, please tweet back at Nardwar. But the question from Brad Spry and Jaded: Ask about Gooseberry doing I think Gooseberry an Gooseberry Records is the name of the the label that put out uh, a CD. It may even be a double CD of Sloan. Uh, uh, like a Sloan tribute, a Sloan covers, and I believe that they've done a bunch of the sort of um, uh, Maritime and or Halifax acts. I think there's a Inbreds one. Well, even though they're kind of like an Ontario thing, but they live out there. I think there's a a local Rabbits one. I think there's a Super Friends one. Maybe a Thresh Hermit one. And I think they finally did a Sloan one. And Brad actually tweeted back to say, yes. We also have another tweet for you. See, these are legit tweets, aren't they, Chris Murphy? I don't know if that's true, but... No, these these really are. This is from Nelson Nutelia. And Nelson says, hey, at Nardwar, ask Chris Murphy if Geffen ever advised Sloan to wear skirts on stage due to the success of Nirvana. Um, and the success that Nirvana had wearing skirts? Yes, I guess in the Smells Like Teen Spirit video. And maybe Nelson has uh, touched upon something that's quite touchy for you, skirts, video. Wasn't there a point where you would have had Spike Jones, but you didn't get Spike Jones? Like the Buddy Holly video was supposed to be Sloan, but Weezer got Spike Jones. That's a more interesting story, but the real story is that uh, we were from Halifax and we're rarely down there. Weezer were from L.A. 
And we actually did. I, mean, I do. I do sort of in my mind sort of think of Weezer as as the success that that would have been the success that we could have in a different world had because they were signed by the same person and they put out their their blue album when we were putting out our um twice removed album and we were down there um so we were kind of connected to them a little bit through this guy todd sullivan and we even played our first la show was with weezer they were opening for us but i was so sick i got i got sick uh, river rafting in san francisco so i had heat stroke so i was out on the bus throwing up and I could hear Weezer inside, and they were really good. And I was like, oh, God, we got to follow these guys. And then I did the whole show, I think, on my knees at Jabberjaw in in L.A. And I'm just going to interject here for one second. And that was the famous Jabberjaw show that was written about by Steve Albini, where he talked about you parking your $1,000-a-day bus outside an indie club like Jabberjaw. Back to Chris Murphy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, what's my point? Just that uh, I did go to Todd Sullivan's house. And my story is that we were kind of begging him for $2,000 to make a video for people of the sky. And he's kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, sure, we can give you that money. Anyway, check out this this uh, video by Weezer, and it was the Buddy Holly video. And I basically sat, I don't know if I cried, but I, it, I think it um, exacerbated the problems we were having and maybe accelerated the breakups of Sloan. Because <laughs> I felt like they were so supported and doing such an excellent job of promoting their band but their record was good too like our record was fine too but well, yep they, were just, they were just in la and kind of knew all those people yep rock seems to be doing quite well with your new lp and we're speaking to chris murphy of the rock and roll band sloan on an artwork human Superhero radio show like for instance you got 8.1 on pitchfork and it wasn't even reviewed by Stuart bearman that's right. He wasn't interviewed by our ace in the hole at at at, uh, at Pitchfork. Um, we've been getting lots of good write-ups. Maybe, perhaps I don't um, understand how important Pitchfork is. Maybe it's everything. But I've read a lot of good re- write-ups, but that's the one that people tend to talk about. So I'm grateful that, that we have had a good uh, write, write-up on such an influential site. And if people want to check out some new videos, like with Stuart Behrman talking, it's sloanmusic.com. You have these great videos up there, don't you? Is that sloanmusic.com where that's where they are? Uh, they are, but I think you could probably just like Google them and find them. Catherine Stockhausen, our old friend, if you know who that is, she made those things. And she actually did contact me after you told me to That's contact right. her, and I did actually mail her some videos, but I was cut out. I think I think Catherine emailed me saying, Nardwar sent me a bunch of stuff, and it looks so terrible. What am I going to do? And I said, I don't, don't involve me in this. <laughs> the story of my life, Baboom. I was also cut out of the Blowfy documentary as well. So you're in good standing. I'm going to get that footage from you. I tried to keep arm's length from that project because it was such a puff piece about Sloan. I didn't want to be seen as creating this thing about people loving Sloan. But I'll uh, I'll get that footage from her of you, and I'll make something good out of it. But lastly, here, Chris Murphy of Sloan, what I was actually saying on the video talking about Sloan was how I first interviewed you in 1992. You walked out on the interview, and then years later, you're playing in my band, The Evaporators. You helped get me a job. You helped rescue my town from getting stolen at a Strokes gig, which was bad enough. I guess I was at a Strokes gig. There's quite a lot that happened, isn't there? Like in 1992, the first time I talked to you, Chris, you walked out on the interview. Um, but I, as I've said before, I walked out with a smile on my face feeling, I didn't know about you and I didn't know what we were in for. And I was unprepared 
for your awesomeness and I went out feeling mad and embarrassed but also defeated and it's like oh man that guy totally killed us because we as I've told you before and just to reiterate we were with Todd Sullivan who was considering signing us to Geffen and we hadn't yet been signed and I felt like we looked like such fools that it was going to blow it I thought you were I thought I literally thought you were blowing the biggest chance of my life (laughs) boom well I'm glad I had the chance to speak to you all these years later thank you Chris well you and I got reacquainted just to be just briefly when I was playing with Super Friends in 95 and I felt like I sort of met you again. Is that right? Yes, and that's one of the stories I told. And this lastly here, Chris, we went thrift shopping one day, and you bought a drum set from out under this little kid. <laughs> right, and that kid grew up to be the drummer for... Well, that kid it, was Kurt Dahl. Well, it, yeah, well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned Kurt Dahl as the new pornographers because Nico Case was with us that day. And later on that day, I said, hey, Chris, why don't we go party with Warrant? My friend Mark Kleiner from the band of Sister Lovers had a Warrant tribute band called Cherry Pie. Well, you guys were going to try and get up on stage and not sing the words. And I, I can't I don't go for that sort of embarrass, embarrass the people humor. But I was going to link Sloan that, that to Warrant. So that night you said no, so you ended up partying with Nico Case, and that photo of you partying with Nico Case ended up being in a Canadian rock Bible called Have Not Been the Same. So that was one of the stories that I tried to tell that was actually acts. So maybe people actually looked at the story, or Catherine looked at the story, and because I've been saying that same story over and over again, haven't I, every time I talk to you on air? No, I don't know about that, but are there any pictures of you at the Warrant uh, tribute show in that book? No, there aren't. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. And you know what? I love Nico, and I have, I've, I've, I don't, I haven't seen her in so long, but I think she's amazing. Lastly, lastly, here, Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, Scott Pilgrim the movie. Could you explain to people the connection between Scott Pilgrim the movie, the band Plum Tree, your participation, and Scott Ingram? Who is Scott Ingram? Without Scott Ingram, there would be no Scott Pilgrim. Scott Ingram is the guy there was Scott Ingram and somebody else was it uh, somebody that, that, that the Plumtree Girls mixed up and they came up with the, the name Scott Pilgrim oh maybe in Steve and Steve Pilgrim who's the Pilgrim guy do you know I'm not exactly sure but I thought there was a guy called Scott Ingram it that was that he was like a reporter he was like a college radio guy and there's he was also like- Philip Pilgrim I don't know if this is a guy but Philip Pilgrim was a Halifax guy it might have been him anyway they mixed up two people and they called him Scott Pilgrim and they made up a song about him and then their friend Brian Lee O'Malley who's like a graphic artist um, he is a Toronto guy but he lived for a little while in, in Halifax and became good friends with, with the Plumtree girls Plumtree stopped playing at some point but they but Scott uh, but Brian Lee O'Malley started doing a graphic novel called Scott Pilgrim and and you know and the Plumtree girls were thrilled they go ahead so he's doing this for a couple of years. Then um, Universal comes in uh, with Edgar Wright, the amazing director who did Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz. They came in, and then $100 million is spent on this thing. And I kind of think that Plumtree couldn't help feeling like, well, um, it's great that you guys are all getting paid, but how come there's nothing for us? Even though really all they did was inspire Brian Lee O'Malley. They certainly didn't inspire Universal. But, but in the end, Universal put a couple of Plumtree songs in in the movie, at least. I don't know if they're in the soundtrack. And the Plumtree girls were thrilled about that. And the 
and uh, uh, what's his name, the Scott Pilgrim, uh, Michael Sarah wore a Plumtree shirt in the uh, in the movie, and I believe Plumtree started a proper website and put those shirts for sale, and hopefully they sold some of them. Anyway, so I know the Plumtree girls. They were recording at my parents' house on four track in like 1991 or whatever, and they were really little girls. They went to my church. Uh, I knew I knew the older Gillis girl, um, Cheryl Gillis, was in my grade, but these girls were babies, um, Lynette and Carla Gillis, and and Amanda went on to marry uh, Jeremy Bidnall. Do you know that guy? No. And who does he play with? He played out here in bands that I should remember, but I can't remember who they are. The Pernice Brothers. Who? The Pernice Brothers. No, that's that's Laura Stein married Joe Pernice. Thank you again, Chris, to the rescue. Anyway, um, I can't... What were they called? International Falls? Do you know that band? Yes. It might be off your radar. Anyway, Jeremy Bidnall, he played in bands with Gregory the Goose, who, who's, playing keyboards with, who's been playing keyboards with us for years. I have some slight Vancouver connections to these people, but I don't really... Rem- I don't know them musically that well. But Jeremy Bidnall played on the Halifax Dartmouth Ferries hockey team this year at the... Um, um, what's often called the Exclaim Cup, but is probably more correctly called the um, um, Hockey Summit of the Arts. And Grant Lawrence and that whole gang used to come. Uh, but when I was talking to Grant the other day, I wrote an article about the Hockey Summit in uh, Magnet Magazine online, and Grant said that he read it and he was inspired to come again. Uh, anyway, so the Scott Pilgrim movie, the, I, I knew I met Edgar Wright the year before, and he asked me to come and help coach the actors to look like they're playing their instruments. And so that was my job on the movie. And it was a lot of fun. And the people were amazing. And Michael Sarah is hilarious and a really good kid. What are your latest fixations, Chris Murphy? You turned me on to Office Space and Buddy Rich. <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's, how, that's what you get from me? Yes, Office Space and Buddy Rich. Any updates on Office Space or Buddy Rich? Because you told me the greatness of the movie Office Space yeah. and Buddy Rich, some of Buddy Rich videos. Yeah, he's great. Uh, you mean the Buddy Rich like bawling out his band or playing drums? I think it was just him. Was it possibly, oh my God, connected to the Rush DVD? Maybe, because I think that uh, Neil Peart did a whole Buddy Rich tribute. Buddy Rich is famous for two things, one being the best drummer who ever lived, and the other being the biggest asshole who ever lived. He was so mean to his band um, that there are tapes of him um, being secretly recorded, bawling out his band. You can just Google that and, and you'll find it. And the other kind of thing that's kind of funny, maybe a bit mean, is people would call Buddy's widow and say, is Buddy there? And she'd say, no, I'm sorry, Buddy's dead. And they would say, I know, I just love hearing it. That's how awful he was. How about for Sloan? Have you ever had to erase something because there was something that shouldn't have got out there that might get out there? Um, uh, You mean, do I wish that I could erase some of the things that we've done? Like, is there studio banter out there that should be erased? (laughs) Um, Maybe. uh, Maybe there are definitely lots of pictures I've seen where uh, they're uh, disgusting of me. We've tried, I mean, I don't care what happens outside the records. We can play the lamest festivals with Chickenfoot and, or whoever, but I just want to keep all of our records um, without stuff that we're embarrassed to have done. So when looking back, when you look back at our 10 records and B-sides and EPs and all that stuff, um, there may be songs that I that I don't even like so much, but it's because someone else wanted them there. And at least I know that nobody told us really what to do ever. So, 
that's the most important thing to us. Chris Murphy of the Rock and Roll Band Sloan. Lastly, 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 lastly here. That's meet, what you said before. Meet and greets. For your meet and greets, do you have to pay to meet Sloan? Um, I don't think we've ever accepted money for autographs or to be... Although I know that people make quite a bit of money doing that. Yeah, that's what I was curious. Have you gone to any of those? Like Nicki Minaj has like those meet and greets which are quite expensive. I don't know who that is. Drake's friend, Nicki Minaj. Who? Drake. Drake the rapper? Yes, who you know from? Degrassi. Right, I knew it. But I don't know him. I don't know that person. He seems like an, he seems actually like a nice guy. But I... Um, what's my point? We Every time we finish a show, I basically change my shirt... And I stay right there, and I talk to anybody who cares about the band. And I'll talk to till everybody's gone. And how is your shoulder now? My shoulder? Yeah. My shoulder is good. Uh, when I'm at rest, I'm in no pain. The only thing that's that's a drag, unfortunately, is just hanging a guitar strap over my over my broken over my fixed collarbone. It's a bit fatiguing, and I have to have a big, ugly, thick strap that I call my Greg Keeler strap. Nothing against Greg Keeler. <laughs> Chris Murphy of Sloan, Andrew had a baby, and that is what caused Andrew, your drummer, had a baby, and that is what caused you not to get invited back to Japan? <laughs> I've heard a story where where we were invited, we were supposed to go back to Japan, and we somehow, somebody has told the story, I don't think it's really true, and we somehow said that we couldn't go, or something was already in the works that we had to shut down because Andrew had a kid. And because of that, we've never been invited back. I don't think that's exactly true. I think the the reality is we did a, a tour of Japan that was just sort of thrown together, and it did remarkably well. And then with a whole bunch of extra money and planning, we went back, but there were no there was no more success than the one that had been sort of just thrown together. So I think that, and I think we went back a third time, and it was even less. So I think that, I just think that, uh, Nobody really thought that there was a big money-making opportunity to bring us there, although they were that was probably the most fun we ever had. And that was going to be with Weezer? Oh, I doubt it. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I, I would love to do a tour in Japan with Weezer. That would be good for us. I don't think we could afford to turn something like that down, although maybe we did. But I don't think... I sometimes think we <laughs> things get turned down without telling me about it because I'd be so depressed that we turned it down because I just want to work. And to end an Ardwar to Human Serviette radio show, I thought we'd play an Andrew track, Emergency 911. What can you tell the people about Emergency 911? And after I play that, what track would you recommend playing off the new Sloan album, Double Cross, on Yep Rock? Um, well, I think that Emergency 911 is probably, uh, of the songs we've done, that are probably the most up your alley. Uh, I know that you always like the intro to The Good and Everyone, in which you always try to refer to sort of in an onomatopoeic sort of way as the sort of rough, tough, tough song, which I always get a kick out of. Emergency 911 is pretty raw and garage, and um, uh, I don't know if it's Stooges exactly, like, but it's that sort of like, um, anyway, kind of raw Detroit maybe sort of thing. And then from our new record, that's an Andrew song, and that's from our, our last uh, record, Parallel Play, our last uh, sort of official record, Parallel Play. We've done an EP and a B-size collection since, but they do not exist in a physical form. They're just uh, online only. And so on our latest record, the song that I would get you to play that I think that you would like, I guess, would be... Uh, Your Daddy Will Do? That, you wouldn't like that one. 
I would say maybe if my songs maybe Shadow of Love, it's it's quick and uh, and fast, might be palatable to you. Well, thanks so much for phoning in to the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, Chris Murphy of the band Sloan, playing tonight at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Tickets Canada. Still available. Tickets still available <laughs> for Sloan tonight at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And thanks again. I really appreciate you phoning in, Chris, over the years. All the calls to the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, including a garage rock call on the occasion of the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show 10-year or 11-year anniversary. You actually played a Sonic song live up on stage just for me over your phone. Like, Oh, right. Were there even cell phones back then? How did you do that? I, I don't know how we did it. We had some kind of satellite technology. We used the CITI satellite Amazing. Well, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Chris Murphy of the rock and roll band Sloan, before we kick into emergency 911? Um, that I appreciate them um, staying with us. Anyone who knows us, I mean, um, we've been together a long time, and you've been doing it for a long time. Anybody who's tuned into the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Show, uh, has to be cool because they're listening to the, the greatest treasure that the West Coast has ever offered, besides Brian Adams. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. Chris Murphy of the band Sloan. I do appreciate that. And hopefully people come on out tonight to the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Who's opening up? I didn't ask that, actually. Uh, It's a group called Dearly Beloved, and their connection to Canadian rock history is that um, the lead guy, uh, Rob Higgins, his uncle is Geddy Lee. I love the way that you bring along the rush all the time. It's great. That's the only reason these guys are touring with us. And it's the off chance that Geddy Lee will see us in Toronto. <laughs> and didn't he also play with Danko Jones, too? Uh, did he play with Danko Jones? He played with Change of Heart. I thought there was like a Geddy Lee-Danko Jones connection, too, at one time. Well, maybe he did. No, no because that, that's always been the same drummer. Uh, I don't, I don't know the, the connection you're talking about, but this guy, did, this guy, Rob Higgins, he played in Change of Heart years ago. We knew him from then, too. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Doot doot. Good, I had to play it twice. That was actually stupid by Little Guitar Army, who are playing next Thursday at the Biltmore. But right now, here's the song I was meaning to play. I did play Little Guitar Army earlier. Here is Sloan with Emergency 911 on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show. 